The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon, and we have special guest teammate, Super Agent Josh Grabensky in the house as well. Very excited for that. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we've got some... Finally, some news. Feels like the post-holiday news cycle has broke a little bit here. And we'll jump right in. So today, Move Inc. CEO. And before I get into this, we're on what? Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, streaming live. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So back to the news story here. So Move Inc. CEO. So if you don't know what that is, that's basically realorder.com's parent company. Uh, their CEO came out today and basically ripped Zillow, CoStar, and this is the first I've even heard of Realtor.com. We talk about Zillow every week, Sarah, right? right. Or pretty much. And mm-hmm. Josh knows what, what we do in-house as well. This is the first time I've heard Realtor.com really come out and say anything regarding all the, this like portal war that's going on. And so uh, the guy's name, Moving CEO, David uh, Doctorow, um, he oversees Realtor.com. And he came out and advocated what he said was his company's open marketplace concept against first-party products offered by the two online portals, CoStar and Zillow. Um, so obviously Zillow has Zillow Flex. They take listings. They you know, they, they charge a referral fee for them. They have their valuation model. And CoStar, they've obviously bought uh, HomeSnap, and they have a new, uh, a new portal kind of launching um, late, later this year is what it sounds like. It's going to be a, a marketplace model. So... He basically said it's kind of nonsense that these two companies are doing this, and they want to advocate what's best for realtors and for consumers. So, what do you two think about this? I mean, this was this was a little bit of a surprise today. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, you know, Zillow came back saying, "No, that's that's not the case. We're not trying to to." Because uh, I think they were also talking about. Um, having a a channel there where basically you would get very used to using it and you would have to pay different fees in order to um you know have your have your listings on there and then slowly raise prices and Zillow claimed that's that's not the case. Um you know, I think that that's certainly a a valid thing to come out and raise the questions about um because having having something open to everyone certainly does you know, allow people to to do their jobs a little bit better without the influence of trying to use all of their internal products. Totally agree. Josh, what about you? What do you think about all this? Yeah. So, I mean, these three platforms, I don't see a lot of differentiators between them. Like these guys seem to just be trying to, well, realtors trying to throw their hat in the game and get in with these, these big players, but they're, they're, they're fighting over little things and, and taking pot shots, but it seems like, you know, if they had something significant to differentiate themselves, they'd just stand out on their own. I, I love your point of view on that, Josh, because that's no different than the person that says their CRM is better than another CRM, right? Like they're all kind of the same for the most part. Uh, what, what I find pretty interesting is that, and, and he did have some good stuff to say here. Um, so one, one of the comments that uh, Dr. O said was, if I'm a listing agent or a listing broker, that's a really scary end game. If you look at the track record of CoStar in commercial and in rentals, what you see is eventually the playbook is the charge for paid inclusions of listings and to rate prices over time, like you had said, Sarah. And I, I do agree with him that you don't want to be reliant on these things. 
my view is you can be enhanced by all these different portals, and it's a way to get some now business. But ultimately, it's got to be up to you as as the local broker. And you know, Josh, what 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 you said there was really interesting because Realtor.com used to be the only game in town. Like they were it. Like there was no other portal, and they got eviscerated when Zillow came on to to the scene. And they're like, and 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 now they've sort of come back to relevance here. So. You know, and, and and knowing what we know about Zillow, I mean, you know, Zillow came out and, and, and they responded. I want to get your reaction to this, is that Zillow's on a mission to make it easier to move because we focus on the consumer experience needs and wants. We build features and tools that others can't or won't. We understand that moving is hard, but Zillow has the information, products, service, and technology that can help every step of a customer's journey. That includes convenient and transparent tools to connect consumers with real estate professionals, whether seller's agent, buyer's agent, or a local lender. So... We'll talk about CoStar's response in a second, but what do you think about Zillow's response here? <laughs> I think that um, certainly Zillow does play an important part for a home search for many people and that it can be used as a tool in order to you know, see different things that are coming up to get an idea of, of price, but that they in themselves can't or have tried in the past, I think, to do full transactions there. Mm-hmm. We know what happened with the iBuying. Um, so, you know, they're, they're a good tool, but they themselves, I don't think provide the full process. Yeah. We can, we can kind of see the direction that they want to move in. They're buying showing time. They, or they bought showing time. They're, they're moving into mortgages. So they want to take over more steps of the transaction, but are they going to be successful? Uh, you know, they had a big fail with that iBar for sure. I mean, what I know about Zillow is this, that Rich Barton has about zero confidence in realtors. I mean, come, if you listen to the NPR podcast with um, Guy Raz, how I built this, he basically said, I had such a bad experience, I thought I could make this better. And that's after he effectively changed the travel uh, agent industry. That's a little different because, you know, travel agents, they all, you, all, you all know where to stay. Like if you're going to Charleston, South Carolina, there's like five hotels to stay at, right? Or, you're, or you go to a resort, people know the best resorts. Um, I, 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 you know, Zillow's, this is a PR statement. I don't, I don't think anything here is, is, is to be really trusted other than we know what they want to do to your point, Josh, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they've, uh, you know, they, they've gotten their broker license in all 50 States. They do have Zillow home loans, which they're, they're pushing pretty aggressively. So, you know, Zillow is looking to get more involved in the transaction, obviously. Um, one thing I, I do agree with Zillow on is that for the most part, when you when you partner with them, which we have, I mean, you get measured on everything, and they look at customers like experience score and conversion and things that actually matter. So one thing that is true in here is that that includes a convenient and transparent tools to connect customers with real estate professionals. I mean, I'm clear that they don't they're not partnering with like the worst realtors out there, like the ones that don't know how to fill out an agreement of sale or don't pick up their phone or don't return calls. Like that's I mean that right. all gets measured. So I, I do agree with that to a certain extent. Uh, I don't think this is the end of Zillow trying to get into the real estate transaction. I think the iBuyer issue was more of a speed bump uh, than anything else. So anything else you want to add about Zillow here before we talk about CoStar's comments? All right, let's jump in. So here's what CoStar said. Um, this practice is in contrast to Realtor.com and Zillow. And the practice is, to, to be very clear, um, they have a listings platform. They, it's, it's in New York City. It's called CitySnap which will similarly not charge agents to include their listings when it launches later this year. And it's, uh, according to them, an industry-friendly model, and it's committed to your listing, your lead delivering leads exclusively to listing agents and brokers responsible. Uh, and, and they're saying that practice is in contrast to Realtor.com and Zillow, 
who are brokers and refer leads from listings to agents who pay substantial referral fees. Zillow, Redfin, and Realtor.com compete directly with agents and brokers. CoStar Group does not. What do you two think? I think I remember them saying that they're not going to charge you to list, but they are going to have like boosting options. So they'll, they'll it's a similar model, but it, it, some nuances there. I mean, they don't charge the referral fee, which which is right. Um, it sounds like it's going to be like a membership fee, right? And and there's these guys, um, the two English guys on Million Dollar Listing LA. I don't know their names, but they're doing the same thing. It's with the um, they're calling it the uh, the National MLS. It's called the DNMLS.com, and you can privately list properties there. It, it just seems like everyone wants to kind of take back the information, and I, I don't know if that's going to fly with the consumer. I mean, that's what CoStar's model is, effectively. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, again, kind of twisting things around a little bit to try to, you know, make themselves stick out. Um, and at the end of the day, I feel like, particularly in Zillow's case, but I'm sure it will be the same with CoStar, until something comes out um, and they decide to change their game a little bit, it's always, no, no, that's not the case. And then... Um, you know, once they decide they want to to make some moves or switch things up, then they move forward with that plan. So I think they're just trying to, um, you know, back themselves up a little bit. So so here's my view on all this. Um, I think you're absolutely right. All these companies are competing with each other. I mean, this is it, right? Like, I mean, I don't see anyone else that's out there. And and what I also know is that, you know, we're coming off a day yesterday where real estate stocks got absolutely trashed on the on the Dow Jones and on Nasdaq and. I mean, you're talking about at every stock from whether it was Keller Williams or Zillow or um, Move.com, which trades under a different name, or Open Door. All these companies, they got they got crushed. And this is probably something coming out because I mean, I, I've seen more news about Realtor.com in the past year or two after Zillow went to the flex model than ever before. People kind of wrote them off as a lead portal, and now it's become a little more interesting because they haven't gone strictly referral based. And this is this is just a typical CEO coming out and making some noise to be relevant. I mean that that that's my view of this here. Um, I, I don't know that their model's any different. In fact, I would argue that it's not because they've bought a company that will call the leads for you, set and basically give a warm transfer just like Zillow does, and charge a referral fee. It's literally the same thing. <laughs> um, CoStar's a little different, and I, I mean CoStar's the company I'd worry about here, just given their market cap. I mean it's so much higher than Zillow's. They got way more money, and they're kind of approaching it as like, you got to be part of our network, not necessarily we're going to charge you referral fees. So I, I, I like that they came out and said something because in 2022, I'm clear the job of a CEO was to be kind of the mouthpiece for the company as well as anything else. Past that, I, I don't see a lot of, I mean, I, I don't really get what what else the end game was here other than to tick some people off. I mean, do you guys have any other comments on this? Because I, I, just, I just don't see it. I'm just trying to stay relevant. Yeah, I agree. So... Trying to stay relevant. Sounds like that's the, we're all on the same page here. Are we going to see more of this like infighting through the rest of the year? Like, How do you think this plays out, and who do you think ultimately wins out of the three if we were to pick a winner? I mean, I'm going to put my money on Zillow. Okay. Do we have like, odds on that? It's like a, is that like a minus 250 money line or something? <laughs> so you like Zillow. So tell us more about that, Sarah. What, what makes you like Zillow? So, I mean, I think that Zillow, you know, over all of these years since they first came out, They've, you know, they've, they're constantly pushing the, pushing the boundaries. Um, they have, they have the money to, to try things and to fail, um, and to keep moving forward. They have the name behind them. I mean, all of these, uh, different companies here, 
have name recognition and there's backing, but I think that Zillow is kind of a go-to as for a majority of people that are going into their home search. Um, so I think that they are going to keep on pushing the envelope. And um, I think over the course of the year, there will continue to be sometimes clickbait articles, sometimes, um, you know, just coming out and kind of starting stuff with each other. But um, yeah, I would say Zillow. Yeah, I'll take the other side here. I mean, like Zillow, they offer a great product, they offer a great service. But if both of these companies have the same data and it's being released at the same time, it's really going to come down to user interface, the design, and how, how much you enjoy using these apps. And I've used HomeSnap on the realtor side, and it's it's really clean, it's really smooth, and I think if they can port that over to the consumer side, it's going to draw some people over. So that's a good point because you know when when you're trying to you're at a home right and you need like the seller disclosure you can get that on HomeSnap yep. you can't get it on Zillow. To me, the differentiator is um, realtor. I mean, realtors got a lot of work to do. I don't, I don't know how they're gonna. I mean, th- this might be the start of like their plan to get back towards rele- relevancy. Um, I, I don't I I don't know how that's gonna happen short term. I look at like the assets they have. I mean, CoStar's got over a twenty six billion dollar market cap. Um, Zillow's about north of twelve, almost thirteen billion. It's twelve point eight six billion to, to be exact. Um, move move dot uh, move is at ninety two million. So I mean, they're you know I, I don't know that that's um, going to be uh, you know this might not be the right number. Let me let me double check this here. Uh, but the the point is, Zillow's got the eyeballs. Like consumers don't know what CoStar is. I think that's the challenge. And and it was smart to get Home Snap to start to build that brand. I also like that they went into New York City out of all places to launch their port because they don't have an MLS in New York City. So I, I like that move. They've got the assets to take market share. I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it because so many people like Zillow's become a verb at this point. Like, right. well, what, what's the Zillow on that home? Or, or that's, I didn't use the right in the sentence there, but you get the point. The zestimate. Zestimate. <laughs> yeah. What's 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 the zestimating ad or or the Saturday night, Saturday Night Live uh, fake commercial? <laughs> it's all about Zillow and. You know, both those CEOs are pretty dynamic. You saw how CoStar's CEO shot up the uh, the real trends list of most relevant people in in real estate. We talked about this last week on the Swan Poll list. He went from like ninety six to like top ten. So, I, I I'm clear they have a path here. I just don't know how they're going to execute on it. And if you're asking agents to pay for something else to be a part of it, I don't know how many people are going to do that. Most realtors would rather pay the referral fee because. At least they've closed some business at some point. I'm not right. saying that's right. I would actually argue against that as a business person. That's what most realtors are going to do. So, the, the, you know, this is going to be an interesting thing how it plays out. But uh, I, I like CoStar's home snap purchase because every realtor uses that. And if you need the realtors to buy in, they're, they're probably more likely to. I like their market position. I like Zillow's brand. And when we talk about who's going to win these things, I'm still clear there's a place for all of us sitting at the table here because. The local agent is so relevant right now. If you know, like, you don't want to be on that side of the street because the train comes by 10 times a day, or that's the other school district that you don't want to be in because your kids are already in this school district, even though it's on the same side of the street, you know, that that's where, you know, it, it being the local agent is going to be super relevant. So I, I think there's a lot of good points here. I, I like CoStar's monetary advantage right now. I think that's going to be really important. Um, I, I think they're going to have trouble getting agents to pay for something else. Like, what do you think they, what would they charge for HomeSnap? Like, if they had, they came to all of us here and they said, here's your monthly fee for HomeSnap, what number would you be willing to pay? I'm not trying to have another monthly fee, honestly. Well, I think a lot of people feel that way, right? Like, between like Netflix and like, you know, Peloton memberships and all this other stuff. 
So you're, you're, Josh is at zero. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would love it to be at zero. Um, where would I buy in at? I think it would have to be like $15 or less a month. Okay, so let's say it's $15, right? There's 1.4 million realtors in the country, and you figure about 30% of them aren't uh, more than, after you get past 30%, most of them aren't doing anything. So say the top 30% get it, right? So you got 1400. This is where my math skills really get put to the test here, guys. <laughs> so 420,000 realtors, which would be a huge, like if they could tap into that many realtors, that'd be huge for them. Times 15 bucks a month, times 12. I mean, you're looking at some pretty big numbers there. I mean, you're looking at, at you know, 70 over 75 million in revenue. Uh, but what are the costs to it? Like maintaining software, like there's going to be some cancellations. So, you know, I, I think that's where the hard the hard part is versus people love referral networks, even though they, it actually costs them more normally. Mm-hmm. Most agents are afraid to make the investment in themselves. So th- I think that's where it's going to get a little tough. Like that, that to me is the biggest issue between Zillow and CoStar right now. I also know Zillow needs realtors a lot more, obviously, after the failed iBuyer experiment. So, I mean, they're, they're really leaning on their partners that they have. And that, that that's going to be super critical. So how do you so you Josh likes CoStar. You like Zillow. A year from now. How does this all play out? What do, you, what do you guys think? And then we'll take a quick break. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they pull from each other um, to kind of help push their, like, themselves along. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in a year from now, there's still going to be back and forth going on between both of them. But hopefully we'll end up with better products and more options. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just going to hear more squabbling. I mean, the the makes headlines. You know, these guys are fighting. It sells sells the news. That's what we'll hear more of in the end. I don't think any of them are going to go out of business. I think CoStar is going to take market share from probably both. And that's where real order might be a little nervous here. And, you know, what I'm clear on is that for the agents out there that are looking at what does this mean for your business in 12, 14, 18 months, this is the new reality. There's always going to be someone trying to get in between you and your customer. And you've got to figure out how to eliminate that. And that's where it becomes down to like some basic business techniques and some other stuff we'll talk about uh, when we come back here with some of the other stories that we have about mortgage rates and uh, the inventory article that dropped from philly.com. So um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. 
Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. He's Josh Grabinski. She's Sarah Timon. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And unless you've been living under a rock or you don't pay attention to finances, there's a lot of people that don't. Big news in the mortgage world uh, this past week that mortgage rates went up to a 22-month high of 3.75%, way faster than anyone predicted. What do you guys think about this? I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here, and this has got some real ramifications. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised that we hit 3.75. I am surprised at, I mean, like the article said, at how quickly um, we were here. We've been expecting rate hikes. We've been expecting um, this number to to go up, but how quickly it's jumped and each week how it's it's moved along um, is is a little bit surprising. And for projections for where we would be at the end of this year we might get there a lot quicker than than we thought. Yeah, for what I'm really hyper aware of right now is any of my clients that got pre-approved January 1st, 5th, 6th versus, you know, they're still looking right now. I mean, that's a significant jump and they may not get the rate that they had thought they were in the beginning. That, that's a really great point. If you look at how fast this happened, um, last week we saw an increase of 12 basis points and it was 48 basis points over a four-week span. So we basically went from 3.27, which you can't get. It, I mean, it would be three and uh, three-eighths. 3.27 to 3.75% in four weeks. I mean, that, that's a half a point. That's really fast. And it's the highest rate since March 2020. Remember what happened in March 2020? I mean, that, and, and that's what spurred a lot of this because rates, I mean, they were kind of all over the place. Then the Fed started tapering things almost immediately when the economy shut down. And... A lot of this, I mean, uh, and from from the different research that we have here, um, rising inflation was one of the reasons that was uh, cited by experts, and the Fed is a major factor behind rising rates. Um, The December 2021 Consumer Price Index released last week by the Bureau of Labor and Statistics shows that we saw 7% inflation in the last 12 months, which is the largest inflation surge in 40 years. Um, and that's way higher than expected, and it could cause the Fed to continue to increase rates faster than planned. And that, that's an observation by Redfin's chief, chief economist, Daryl Fairweather. I mean, the inflation's been real. I mean, and are, are you guys feeling that with some of your clients right now? Because everyone, I mean, I hear people constantly talking about like gas prices and supply chain issues. And this is nothing new, but I mean, gas is like up north, like four something a gallon right now, which is a pretty big jump. So are, are you are you feeling that buyers are becoming more aware of their monthly costs than maybe they were even 12 months ago when people had all this like disposable income saved up because they couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, as you're looking at your your monthly payments and as you're sending out some of these estimates uh, for different homes that clients might be interested in, they're definitely very focused on what what does this mean for my monthly payment? And Maybe looking back at, at what they've spent over the last the last month and kind of trying to predict where they may be a month, two months from now, and and what that means for what they can afford. I don't have anybody looking for a fixer upper right now. Like people just <laughs> don't want to do the work; they want turnkey because the prices of some of these products are 
getting so expensive. Um, so that's that's definitely changed a lot. Well, I, and you know what? I think there's also too. I mean, it takes forever. Like a lot of people, they're like, "Oh, I'll, I'll be in the home in a month or two, right?" Now it's like you better wait six to eight months before you get this place into shape because with the the supply chain issues coming from China. I mean, uh, John, uh, you know, John Rabbit from our team. Uh, he he was telling me about his previous job where he was in apparel sales, and even the guys that he used to work with, they can't sell anything now because as soon as a shipment comes over, one person gets sick on that boat, they turn the whole boat around and it goes back to wherever it came from. Yeah. So they're, they're selling and, and working hard, but that's the same thing with all a lot of the supplies that we're seeing and a lot of the imports. That's a really great point, Josh, because people just don't want to deal with it. I mean, you move, you get excited, and then it's okay. Well, I got $50,000 worth of renovations. The kitchen sucks. I don't like the floors. Like, I mean, it, it you know, that, 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 that is an issue. Um, so, you know, wh- one of the things I wanted to hit on here is I, I've talked to some experts in the industry, and I know rates are still coming in about that 3.75% range as of today, and this all happened kind of towards the end of last week. A lot of people are telling me they're probably going to come down a little bit, like into the 3.5 range once the market kind of calms down. And I think yesterday was a really good, I mean, did you, like following the stock market yesterday, the stocks got killed. Then they came back. I mean, it was, it was a crazy run that, that we saw. So do you think the market's going to see more volatility in rates on the day to day, and and these aren't these are people in the know that work at you know mortgage companies that have finance backgrounds. Do, do you think we'll see like some more volatility on the day to day, or is this going to be? I, I, I'm not talking a lot, but I mean, more dancing than we're used to. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think so, and I think what's going to be important is staying calm and not overreacting to because what happens in the middle of the day just as yesterday is a good example you know by the end of the day things had kind of like leveled out so i think um we should be focusing on maybe more week by week um and to get a better touch on where where we're at but i do think that there will be a lot of a lot of jumping up and down throughout each day yeah definitely we're it's our job to keep things rational keep things calm there's going to be a lot of fear mongering out there. Is once some people see these interest rates, there's going to be lots of news articles trying to scare people. Um, but really, you know, getting a 3.75 on a 30-year mortgage is an incredible rate today. Still historically low. I, we had an exterminator in our office today. He was checking something out, and he goes, "Well, rates were 13% when I bought my Ford, like you know, whatever he car he had in the 1990s." So that's a really great point. Uh, and you know, I, I think staying calm is really critical. And if I was a buyer right now, I wouldn't be trying to outthink the market. You ever have that client that says, I'm, I'm going to wait and see if rates come down or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let this play out. If you get a rate you're comfortable with, I would not be messing around right now. I would lock in, get the certainty there. Cause what if it goes up a quarter of a point and you can't get it. And the, the agreement of sales really clear on this. And a lot of people don't get this is that there's a range that gets put in there that you're accepting a rate typically between X and Y. And, and what's the normal spread that you typically see with those, just just to get some perspective from both of you? At least half a percent. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was going to be the number I gave. And that's, that's a safe number because things can change. You can't lock in until you negotiate the sale. I've seen people that they try to outthink the market. And you if you have the ability to lock in the rate, doesn't matter if you do it. If you have the ability to, you can't get out of the contract. That's what a lot of people don't realize. So... I would not be messing around if I was a buyer. Um, I'm hearing stay calm. I'm hearing, I mean, I just said don't don't mess around, be decisive. Anything else buyers should be aware of here now that rates have finally jumped up? And then we can kind of talk about what it means for sellers and, and the market outlook. I would say if you if you are in the home search and you know that you need to move and you need you need to move on to this next property, um, I would 
I'd be diligent and really look at your options, see what's out there. Um, you know, maybe open your mindset a little bit to to some different possibilities for what could be a good fit for you. And that while these rates are still historically low and while they might dip back down a little bit, the trend that we're expecting is that they're going to continue to go up. So if you see something that is a good fit, um, it's worth going in and putting your your name in the hat and and going for it. Yeah, I think there's some uh, framing that we can do here. It's like people have been bragging about their rates all the way down from 4%, like every single segment. And we didn't get down to 3% right away. So, I mean, we're, we're at 3.5, 3.75, but you're still at a 3.75. You're still there. I, I think that that's a really great observation because I mean, if, you, if you look historically at the data, the highest um, numbers that were recorded, 2019 to 2022. Now, granted, we're only 25 days in. 2019, 4.05%. 2020, 3.88. 2021, 3.34. And then this year, 3.75. The lowest rate recorded in 2019 was 3.74. So it's not that out of line. Right. What's the outlier here is the sub 3% rates that we saw during the, I would, I would, I hate to say this, the prime of the pandemic when mm-hmm. we were still in a lot of restrictions, vaccines weren't a real thing. But look at inflation during that time. In 2019, we saw 2.3% inflation. 2020, 1.4%. And last year, 7%, right? So, And then we saw home prices jump up pretty significantly, too. So this is just the economy recovering because it's not healthy to keep rates that low forever. We've been through this before in like 2008, 2000. I mean, they constantly were tapering the rates. So it's something that people need to get aware of is that this is not the outlier. The outlier is what happened the past 24 months. Uh, so that that's a really great observation. So, you know, kind of to piggyback off this, Fannie Mae came out, and this they came out last week and said that um, they expect the narrative around housing this year to shift from one of extremely limited inventory, leading to hyper-competitive bidding wars, to one in which increasingly more would-be home buyers are priced out of the market. And that that was last Wednesday they came out with that statement. How do you how do you react to this, knowing what we're seeing on the ground on a daily basis? Because I, I don't know that it's totally in line. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think that um, we've talked about this a little bit before. You may have to adjust your price point um, to to make up for some of these different factors. But I I don't think that we're going to be looking at a situation where you know there aren't buyers out there or that there's a ton of people who are going to hold off because there. are are certainly people who earlier um, earlier on did say, I'm going to hit the pause button for a, for a bit, but mm-hmm. now they're back out again. And they're kind of realizing that some of these other external factors, um, you know, you can't wait around forever if you need to get in into a new home. So they're, they're kind of back in again, and maybe they've had to adjust their search a little bit, but, um, you know, they're, they're back out there. Yeah, I totally agree. Like some people are going to get knocked out for sure, or they're just going to get tired of searching, but... I mean, in low inventory or quote unquote getting priced out of the market, it's kind of the same thing. You just have people that aren't getting the houses that they're looking for. Right. Like, what's the difference there? Um, but we are we are like in some really tight tight inventory, and that's that's for sure. Well, that that's what I wanted to hit on. The inventory hasn't come up a lot. Like there was a little bit of a bump in the fall, and then the holidays hit, and the same thing that happened for every holiday prior to 2020 happened this year, which was. People kind of slowed down. I mean, I think even more so than before because no one celebrated the holidays. And I mean, they did, but it was like you were in your house with your nuclear family for the most part. 
And December was a, a much slower sales pace than we had seen since, you know, basically the, the beginning of 2020. So th- that's a factor. But also, I mean, look at some of these case studies we've seen. Um, I mean, you were involved in, in, in one with, with someone over the weekend where there was a house with a hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. A tree fell on this place. Why don't you explain this? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So a, a tree fell on this home. Um, it was a very cool property. Um, and it gave the option for whoever would be the one to go in. And if you were the, the person that got the home, it was down to the studs. So you had a, a very cool property, the ability to kind of go in and finish it off the way that the way that you want. Um, after getting a lot of offers, way over ask, all cash, the seller ultimately actually decided not to sell and they, they were going to hang on to it. And, and how, how much over the asking price would you have to have gone to be the highest price? This is pretty relevant. Over 200000 Over 200000 For a house wow. with a hole in the roof. <laughs> that's priced at 500000 I mean, yeah. it, it's not like it was like, so, I mean, that's obviously, a, I mean, you're talking about almost 50% higher than, I mean, 40% higher than the price. I mean, that that's bananas. We had a, another property we saw that was priced a little higher. It was um, priced at eight fifty, and I had sold the home down the street a year ago mm-hmm. in the same neighborhood, and that went for like eight thirty something. And they had seventeen or eighteen offers, and from what I heard, it went for over one point one million dollars. Wow! I mean, banana stuff here. And so those two case studies, I'm sure you got a couple too. If you want to jump in, I mean, that just tells me that the inventory problem isn't going away. Well, I mean, each of those, you still have, you know, 10 or 15 more buyers looking right in that neighborhood, you know, right. mm-hmm. just overloaded with them. Yeah, I mean, and, and those people, they didn't get the home. I mean, and it's not like it was for lack of, and, and there's some, there were some great offers with these things. So where I disagree with Fannie Mae a little bit is that, yeah, sure, maybe some people can't afford this home now, but the demand is so strong. It's going to, we're going to see a lot of homes come onto the market to see the market really go the other way here. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's just what I'm seeing in, in real life. And so, you know, that, that that's pretty interesting, too. And then I guess the last thing to kind of hit on here is that, um, you know, with, with Fannie Mae and, and, and their predictions, um, they, they think that home price growth is going to decelerate in 2022. What do you guys think about that? I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, like all the chief economists that we follow in the, the real estate world have all said the similar things. You know, we had this like record appreciation, some places 15, some 10 percent. And then over the next few years. We're still going to have strong appreciation, but it's going to come down more like six, seven, five, six percent. I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't know that. I think the, the the problem is now we're in January, right? I I do. I mean, Realtor.com came out of what back in December, and they said that that twenty five percent of the entire population was thinking about selling, and sixty five percent of that twenty five percent, so it was like sixteen. Um, they're interviewing agents and getting their homes ready for the market now. And I mean, are you feeling that there's some more like seller interest in the market now, just on like phone conversations like the data you can't track it's more the feel from working in the business i think that there is certainly interest out there um we've you know i've had a lot of conversations with people um but until they actually hit the market we are still looking at a lot more buyers than there's the inventory to support and as long as that's going on i think that you know things may level a little bit but it's still gonna be very competitive yeah, things have been pretty feverish out there, and you get some sellers who just want to kind of poke around, see what they could get for their house. They have no real interest in selling, but they'll they'll make some inquiries and say hello. Right. Well, look at look at the case study we just talked about. That home was basically a shell, mm-hmm. right? And it had a hole in the roof, oh, and they still didn't sell cool the house. Show. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it was. That's not that's <laughs> not that's not the debate here. But like, and they got 
an incredible offer mm-hmm. or offers, and they still didn't sell. And there's nobody even living in that house. So they don't right. have the problem of trying to figure out where they're going to go, which is kind of wild to me. So what, what what should sellers be thinking right now? That's that's the big question. We know what buyers need to be thinking. Be decisive. Don't be afraid to jump into the market. Understand what you're getting into. We have some real real clear facts on that. What, what should sellers be thinking right now? Because there's going to be some people that outthink this market and are going to lose, whether it's money, whether it's you know results. It could be a lot of different things. What do you guys think there? I would say, you know, maybe don't kind of like you said right there, like don't overthink it and try to outplay the market. Right now is still a great time to get out there to list your home. Um, there are buyers. Interest rates are still good. Um, and there are, is a lot of talk from a number of different people who it sounds like numbers are going to go up for for sellers. So right now, getting out ahead while there there is very low inventory, I think, is a good move. Um, but talk to talk to an agent and see what see what your options are. Yeah, most likely, if you're looking at you selling your house, something has happened in your life. There's a life event. Maybe you need more space. Maybe you want less space. And so that those conditions are really going to say that you 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 want to move. So I mean, you just got to play your conditions carefully and kind of talk to somebody who knows what they're doing and and just play it out. You know, there's a lot of opportunity out there. If you are selling, you just got to make sure it works for you. So you guys gave the very nice answer. I'm going to be like really direct here. And, and you're both right. If you've got your place lined up where you're moving to and you've been thinking about selling, I don't know if there's going to be a better opportunity because with rates going up, like the demand's real hot now. We could very well see six, eight months from now when we get in. I always think of like July 4th is kind of that time when the market starts to slow a little bit. People go on vacation. They're going on the shore, all that stuff. That That's a big like vacation time, especially knowing that the school year now goes to like mid-June, which was not a thing when I was a kid. So sellers right now that are ahead of this, I'm clear they're going to win massively. I mean, think about that $1.1 million offer or the, the seller with the hole in the roof unloading that thing for 700000 those are just two case studies that we saw in the past week. This is, there, there's many more of these examples going on. If you're thinking about selling and you've got your other home lined up or you have a place to go, and even if you don't know where you want to move to, but you've got a, ba- a backup plan, like maybe a vacation home you're okay living in, or you know, you, you're you going to maybe move in with your, your kids or a relative or something like that, if you can sell now and make it work, I don't know that there's going to be a better time to cash out. and and Because there, there's this kind of weird... I didn't think we were going to go back to this. I mean, to be very clear, I don't. I, I know a couple like uh, Tim from our team mentioned that. I think a lot of people are kind of surprised that it's this feverish again, like it was like March, April of last year. Mm-hmm. We're here now. I don't know what's going to last until May, June, July, August, and and when there's more options out there, you know, some people are still gun shy despite all this. You got to, but there's a lot of buyers that have already lost, and they're in that kind of screw it phase of their search. Right. You guys had someone like yeah, that before. Absolutely. They're just like, yeah. I can't deal with this anymore, and. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying this is what happens to people. They want to get a house. They're tired of it. It's a stressful process. Sellers that are trying to wait out the market and are waiting till like after the Super Bowl or the spring, that's a mistake. You should be meeting with someone right now if you haven't already and get clear on what's happening in the market and make sure your realtor can interpret the pending sale data because that's the most recent stuff. And he right. sold homes. It's all lagged 60, 90 days. So it might look good, but you don't know what just happened in the past 30. And you know, 60, 90 days ago, we're in like the holidays. So- I'm clear if you're thinking about selling, don't make the mistake of trying to outthink this or waiting until the spring. If you have the ability to now, that's when you should pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, I would, I guess I would just be curious for people who are in that position and aren't doing it, just getting to the bottom of their motivation as to what's holding them back from putting it on and just reiterating, you know, what you said that this is a, this is a great time. 
Well, and, and sometimes they just don't get the right advice. I mean, that's that's the reality. I mean, a lot of people think they know what's going on in the market. We talk about this all the time, and they have no idea. They're hearing it from, like, their friend or their neighbor or, or somebody else or someone from another marketplace. Mm-hmm. And all the marketplaces are very different. Ours, you know, ours is kind of even keeled. We don't see the dips and the, and the highs like places like Nevada and California and, and other places do. So that, that's probably a component here as well. But that's all the more reason, and that really demonstrates my point, that you just get some real information, find out what's going on. Anything else you guys want to add here? You want to take a quick break and we can come back and talk about the inventory article from Philly.com. All right, let's do it. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, this is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM for our final segment. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and he's Josh Grabensky, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we're streaming live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just go Google Tom Tool Sales Group, and you can check out the show live on our live stream. So, the last thing we wanted to talk about today. Every once in a while, the Inquirer comes out with a really relevant article about real estate, and that's exactly what we want to do. And it comes from uh, Mikhail Bond, great reporter over there. And the headline is, Record Low Housing Supply Across the Philly Area Will Continue to Challenge Buyers. So we had a nice setup for this this segment here. And kind of the, the quotes and the information in there, I want, to, I want to dive deeper on with you, and then we can talk about how there's more agents competing and a lot of different things. So... Specifically, last month's housing supply, and this article came out two days ago, uh, in the Philly metropolitan area was down 9% from December 2020 and down 35% from pre-pandemic levels in December 2019, according to Zillow. Second Zillow mention of the show. Very exciting. (laughs) And uh, according to Jeff Tucker, one of the senior economists over there, conditions are, according to him, amazingly worse for buyers than they were one year ago. And demand for housing is outpacing supply at a faster rate than a year ago. December was the first month we saw since May that pending sales outpaced active listings. So there is some truth to that. And that's for Philly. Uh, actually, it wasn't for Philadelphia. Philadelphia was up 
34 sales, 34 new listings, excuse me, in December compared to pending sales. The suburban counties, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery, they, they were being outpaced. So we just kind of talked about this. What do you guys think here? I mean, they're, they're coming out and saying that the inventory shortage isn't as acute as the nation as a whole, um, but that supply nationally was down 41% from 2019 levels. Yeah, just uh, oh, buyers, you know, they <laughs> it, it keeps coming at them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I I absolutely see the the shortage um, as you're you're working with with different people. And it's it's interesting around the office um, hearing, you know, if as different listings come up, I mean, people know about them. Um, you know, you have multiple different agents showing that that property um, and it's it's just kind of funny as as something pops up you you hear it discussed um it's we notice it when good properties come to the market yeah there's it's just been a drought for so long now and i feel like we've been saying like oh you know inventory should start coming back but it really hasn't i mean it's picked up a little bit we see a few more listings every now and then but it feels like just we're in the desert for an extended period of time yeah and and that's i mean that that's where it gets tough and and if you look at what happened year over year? There was uh, there was three point three percent more active listings that came to the market, roughly for the entire Greater Philadelphia area in twenty twenty one compared to twenty twenty. So I mean, you're not talking about much, and the demand's way more than three point three percent more. Uh, that that that's that's the issue that we're running into. So th- there's a lot to unpack here. One thing we we talked about was that uh, obviously buyers are having a hard time. They, they've been going through this for a while right now. It's been kind of a gauntlet. The the thing that I, I don't think enough people are talking about is there's also there's also more agents and now you got all these more agents or they they've got more clients which probably caters to the demand to a certain extent so you got more agents fighting for fewer homes do, do you think the number of agents is leading to increased competition or how how do you think that affects all this for the consumer side um I don't I don't think it's necessarily meaning that more more buyers are are coming out of the woodwork um. It, I'm not sure. I, I don't think that that's leading to to the amount of people that are out there looking. But um, it could lead to, you know, having more time to show more properties if you have fewer clients. Um, which I know isn't that doesn't mean that that's the case. But just with an increased number of agents, um, it could increase numbers of showings. I got a couple takes on this. So on, on, on one hand, you know, there's teams like us, which are aggressively adding agents, competent agents that are out there and selling houses left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, th- those guys are going to bring increased competition to the market. On the other hand, I got this buddy I found out in California, got his license back in like the 2006, 7, 8 rush, never sold a single house, never did a thing with it, has kept it active this entire time. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that right now that are joining up. Hear, hear these great success stories, and but then they end up not doing with it and going another direction. Uh, you know that that's a really great point because I a competent agent is the key word there because uh, I think that, I mean we've all dealt with the incompetent agent. There, there's way more of those than there are competent ones, and I, I, with it doesn't I don't think it creates creates more demand for 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 buyers. They're still having this. It's going to be the same amount of buyers competing. What I think happens, in my observation, is that. If they don't get connected with the right person, then they're going through this emotional gauntlet. Then they're having to write five, six, seven, eight offers without direction. Now, sometimes you could have a great agent. And that still happens to you. We've seen that many times, just even in our own organization. And it, it, it's it's an issue of it actually devalues the the realtor experience to a consumer. And I think that's where it leads to a lot of these like discount brokerages coming in, 
where they're saying, hey, you know what? Our people don't know anything, and we're going to charge you less. Like, that's basically their model, right? Uh, it's We're not going to train them, but they'll show you 50 houses in a weekend, and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll find you something. And to me, I think that's where the, the consumer gets hurt because they they see the majority of like a case study like Josh is talking about, which, you know, just not someone cut out for the job. And, you know, I mean, you're talking about 180,000 plus new agents entered the industry last year alone. Um, it was a new agent, got a license every seven seconds last year. I mean, it, it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So w- with the inventory challenges and the amount of agents that are out there, like what should sellers and buyers be doing? And why don't we start with the selling side? Like you're going to vet through somebody. And then let's, I want to talk about agents as well. And we got like 10 minutes to do this. So we'll have to go quick. Sellers, what should they be doing to navigate their way through super competitive market where lots, they're going to have no problem selling their home. It's the question is, are they getting the best result? Which I've got another case study on. I'll share with you in a second, but what should sellers be asking right now? I think they need to be looking at the marketing plan. You know, how many eyeballs are going to get put on their home? Where, where are the numbers coming from? Um, what, what supports, uh, what they're going to list their home at and you know how does it play out in a couple of different scenarios um if you price it one way if you list it one way what does it look like and how does that affect the end transaction um as well as you know how does this look throughout the process you know what all are you going to be doing to make sure that we get to settlement because anybody can list their home mm-hmm. um but ultimately you want to get to the settlement table so what are you going to do to guarantee we get there with and it also depends on you know what your needs are do you have are you waiting around for you know an x dollar amount do you have a time crunch are you needing to sell this to to get into your next one um and making sure that your agent understands your situation sellers should really agree entirely sellers should really be doing their due diligence get online search up realtor in Westchester and see what comes up. See how many reviews they have. See what these people are saying about those realtors. And, you know, do your due diligence like you would with any other product or service. I, I totally agree there. And I'll take it one step further. you got to ask what their plan is when the home actually hits the market. Like, not the marketing plan, but, hey, we hit the market day one. What does day two to seven look like? Because there's another case study I'll share with you here um, that uh, we have an agent on our team he or she put an offer in on a home over the weekend and was about to, and they had a Saturday night deadline for the offer. It gets better. Um, his client was willing to go to a price that was $40,000 higher than what the seller accepted. And they, the home hit the market like Thursday or Friday. I don't know what, I don't have all the details, but it was a quick turn. If they would just wait it two days, that seller makes another $40,000. If I'm the seller, I am ticked off right now that this happened and it was a cash sale. So it's no, but like, this is the stuff that happens. I'm clear that agents and sellers need to know like, Hey, I want to know what's going to happen day one through day, like day by day. Not like, Oh, here's what we do the first week. The like that, the 30 day plan's over. It's like the right. one week plan right now. And that's what everyone should be talking about. So you guys are absolutely right. I, I went super granular there because I'm seeing this happen all the time. And I'm sure you guys have seen it too, where the seller leaves money on the table by making a decision too quickly. Yeah, I mean, and that is a huge disservice, uh, having a Saturday night deadline. Like, especially if that's the first weekend of your home hitting the market. I mean, weekends are when so many people can get out there and really look at some of these homes. Um, You know, it's, well, now it's like starting to be lighter a little bit later. (laughs) But like, you know, evenings aren't always as much of an option as they are in the summer. Mm -hmm. So like having a Saturday night deadline the first weekend the house on the market is crazy. 
if your property is booked up from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single slot and you've got more people asking and you're going to you're going to set a deadline like that, you're you're absolutely leaving something on the table. They left 4.16% on the table to be exact. I mean, that that's crazy. I mean, that that that's almost the entire fee for what normal fees are. We can't talk about commissions, but that that's that's that, that's I mean, that's transfer tax in Philadelphia. For both right. sides, right? I mean, it's crazy. And then, I mean, if somebody wanted to come in with a competitive offer prior to when you were planning on, you know, reviewing different things and they want to give you something way over above and say, this is your deadline now. I mean, that's that's one thing to then present mm-hmm. that and take a look at it. But to just have a cutoff when you have more coming in is, um, I think, not not doing your best by the client. This was a veteran agent who listed the home, by the way. This isn't some new agent. I mean, I, I know the, I know the person, and, and this person had, has been in business double-digit years. So it's just, it's just a bad business decision. I mean, I, I just don't see why you rush into these things. So day one through seven, get clear on the marketing plan. Get clear on the reviews and their online profile. That's what every seller should be looking at. Love that. Buyers, how should they be navigating all this? And, and let's try to go quickly here because I want to get to the agent part too. But if we don't, we'll talk about it next week. What do you guys think? Buyers, what should they be doing to deal with all these agents and the inventory challenge? Same thing, track record. You know, vet, vet your realtor, look at look at what they're doing, ask what their negotiation plans are and, and what their tactics are in these really competitive times. Yeah, I mean, and ask what is it that you're going to do differently? How are you going to get me the home when – you know, especially if it's somebody who's been with another agent before or has been looking for a bit, like what's going to be different about you? What is your strategy to win multiple offer situations? Exactly what Josh said. And I would even go one step further. How many multiple offer situations have you won? And what did you do to get there? I'd be coming with case studies if I was an agent. I think that's really critical. Love that. I mean, you just have to have like an interview with these people. That's really what it comes down to. Unfortunately, over 70% of consumers just pick the first person they talk to. So, I mean, that's as much of a warning as anything else. All right, we got four minutes. Agents, what should they be doing to stand out? We kind of hit on this a little bit, but what do you th- anything that comes to mind in particular? Um, I think being prepared, um, knowing your numbers, knowing what's going on in the market, and being able to show your clients something that proves that you can get the job done. Yeah, being being overly prepared, being aggressive in this market is really what you got to be. Like there is no inventory, so mm-hmm. you got to go and make inventory and find houses and look at these off-market properties for people. Because you're just not finding it out there. Somebody's got to do it. I'm going to go one step further. You've got to have a listing focus in your business. And we talk about this all the time. Is that, you know, it's great to work with a lot of buyers. In this kind of market, that's exhausting, right? I mean, if you had 30 buyers you're showing homes to, like, tell your wife or your husband, you're not going to see him for a couple of weeks. Like, it's not, I mean, it, it's, it's that crazy. So I'd be focusing on listings, number one. I'd also, you mentioned prep. I would go into extreme market knowledge. Like, if, you, if your client's looking in a certain neighborhood, Call the agent. Find out what the pending sales went for. Get a feel for that stuff because that will give you an edge because we don't know the pending data, right? Like, I mean, there's that lag in data, and that's the most relevant stuff, the way the market's going. And I, I would say get ready to get on video to convert clients and to convert the list, the, the offers that you're writing. A simple video, you know, Josh is smiling at me, says, hey, Tom, here's the offer for your home. I'm going to be really easy to work with. You know, our, our organization has a really uh, strong track record. We know how to close deals. Like, that sort of stuff, it it's helps you stand out as an agent when there's a sea of offers and all people are looking at our price and terms. Anything else you want to talk about with agents here? We, we went too fast almost. We got still a minute, minute, two minutes left here. I think having a good reputation for being an agent that not only can get the do- job done, but as you kind of gave an example there, um, can work through it. 
um, and and get to the end and and have everybody be in a good position at the end is important and goes a long way. And you remember that if there is particularly if there is an agent that you had a bad experience with, if you see that on the other side of a transaction, you have feelings about it, you know. Yes. So um, always good to have your your best foot forward and uh, hopefully have a good reputation. Is that like saying be nice in like a really professional way? Like don't be a jerk. Is that is that right. where you're going with this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like one hundred percent. There's always a a good way to to get something done and a, a way that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. Love it. All right, Josh. How can people follow you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, What's the best way. Joshua E. Grubensky, uh, Instagram. All right, and then we got Sarah's on Instagram as well. It's at Ty underscore tie time, T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow me at TomTool3RD, at TomTool the third. Uh, again, we all work with the TomTool sales group, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. Just Google TomTool Tom sales group. It'll all come up. And that's it for this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.